Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. We are, however, going to talk about vision, and vision is important. Correct vision, that is. Proverbs 20:19 says that where there is no vision, the people what? perish. Throughout the Old and New Testament, God would give visions to different individuals to warn them of impending judgment, um, to reveal future events, to unveil to the unbelieving that he is the Messiah, or to expose the blindness of sin that existed in their own heart. You guys are going to participate tonight with me. So that means you have to be what? Awake and focused. Just in case I might say, how's your vision? That's the question to all of us tonight. My question to you is, how is your vision? What is considered to be perfect vision? 2020. How many of you in here have 2020 vision? Raise your hand. Well, a few of us do, and I am so happy for those of you who do. Most of us do not have perfect vision. Our ability to see clearly is difficult for many reasons. I found this information in an article that I read very interesting. When it comes to vision loss awareness, many Americans may be a little nearsighted. A recent survey showed nearly half of American adults worry more about going blind than losing their memory or their ability to walk or hear. Yet almost 30% of those surveyed admitted to not getting their eyes checked. So according to this article, we are very concerned about our vision but we aren't willing to be proactive and get an eye exam to see if there is a potential problem and hopefully get it corrected. According to the Vision Council of America, approximately 75% of adults use some sort of vision correction. So based on that statistic, the greater majority of the population need help to be able to see better and more clearly. Now, hopefully, if we have a problem, we are a part of the percentage who will go and get an eye exam to help determine what the problem is. So I'm asking us again, how is your vision? But not your natural vision, but your spiritual vision. So tonight, we're going to talk about our natural eyesight, and we're going to look at a few of the multiple eye problems we have or can develop over time and how they can be remedied. And we're going to draw analogies from our physical natural eyesight and compare them with our spiritual eyesight. So as I'm sharing about all these natural things, I want you guys to think spiritually. How many of you have had an eye exam? So when you go for your eye exam, you usually are put in front of an eye chart, right? And then you have to put something over your right eye, then your left eye, and they want you to see um, what the smallest letter you can see. 
Okay, so after that happens, the optometrist will come in and maybe do a pupil dilation in order to determine the health of the optic nerve and retina. And this exam is critical to preventing and treating eye conditions that could potentially lead to vision loss. How many of you have ever driven with dilated eyes? I, I don't recommend it. Okay, so depending on the results of your exam and whatever the optometrist might do, you might be nearsighted, known as myopia, or farsighted, known as hyperopia. Over time, you might develop cataracts or glaucoma, which creates a cloudy film over the eye, causing blurriness. And with aging, a disease that can come is called macular degeneration. And that just is when the central portion of your retina called the macula wears down. Your exam could reveal that you have tunnel vision. Now, when I have heard of or used the term someone has tunnel vision, it's never in reference to natural eyesight. It's almost always used in the negative. But in case you didn't know, it is a real eye condition. It is also known as PVL, peripheral vision loss. And it is the result of the loss of the peripheral sight or side vision. And a person with PVL can only see what is directly in front of them. So if any of these conditions have been detected, the conclusion would be that you and I are vision impaired. When you and I can't see clearly, discouraging and depressing. We lose sight and we lose heart. No matter how much we want to or how hard we try, we can't see plainly based our, on our own incapability. We need help. So after we've gone through all the tests, based on the findings of our optometrist, will prescribe the necessary aids or procedures that will be needed to correct our vision problem, whether it be glasses with specific lenses, contact lenses, eye drops, different kinds of eye drops for different things, maybe getting LASIK surgery or having a surgical procedure to remove cataracts or other type of procedures. Our hope would be that after our exam, and our follow-through with what has been prescribed for us, our vision will be corrected. When we are fitted with proper lenses, we will be able to see things up close or see things at a distance, not just see only what's in front of us, but on the sides of us. Our vision's no longer blurry, and we're no longer seeing double. We don't see dimly anymore because the film or the blockages have been removed. But even with perfect vision, we sometimes need the aid of certain devices depending on what we want or need to see. For example, how many of you own binoculars? Why do you use them? To enlarge the image, right? To, to, to enlarge it so you can see it. What about how many of you have guns with scopes on them? Why do you have a scope on it? So you can hit your target, right? Or a telescope. Anybody have a telescope? And why do you use a telescope? 
okay, to see things like distant stars and galaxies, right? So they help to bring up close that which is so far away. Or when something's microscopic, like bacteria or cells, and they can't be seen with the naked eye, we need a microscope to bring it into view. We have been created by an amazing divine designer, have we not? Every part of the human body is uniquely crafted by him and has a specific purpose. And you guys know that when something is out of whack, it can be just something really simple, out of whack with your eye or your ears or anything. Everything God created, he created it to work together intricately. Now listen to this. In the 26th week of pregnancy, a baby's eyes are fully formed. Not only do the baby's eyes sense light, their eyelids can finally open. And when they are awake, their eyes are open and blink. Even though there's not much to see in mama's womb, the baby can sense the movement of bright lights outside the body. Like if you were to put a flashlight on that mama's tummy, that baby's eyes, if it's awake, that baby's eyes will move towards that light. That's how God created us. He created us to see light, to turn towards the capital L-I-G-H-T. The advancement of technology such as ultrasounds and sonograms have saved many babies' lives. And the machines that perform CD, CT scans or MRIs have helped detect the early onset of disease, which have aided the longevity of life for many. We have so much more advanced equipment today that gives us the ability to see deeper, farther, nearer than ever before. And yet it seems as if there is more blindness than ever before to the truth, the way, and the life. So tonight, I'm going to ask us to all do our own eye exam, meaning an examination of our spiritual vision, and determine if in any way we are impaired, and then determine what is the cause of our impairment, and then will we choose to submit to the necessary remedy that is needed to correct whatever is causing our weakened condition. We might be nearsighted. We might be farsighted. And there may be something that has developed that has caused blurriness. Something has formed a cloud over our ability to see clearly. Maybe there is an obstruction, a source of irritation, and we've tried to get it out, of, out ourselves to know about. Or maybe you and I have chosen to turn a blind eye to something that God has been trying to show us or teach us about ourselves that has hindered him from being able to bring about his good purpose in us. As I mentioned, regarding our natural eyesight, we can become discouraged and depressed spiritually, right? Because we lose sight and we lose heart. And when everything looks blurry, when we have an impairment, that impacts our ability to see clearly. The same is true when it comes to spiritual eyesight. According to a 2020 
cultural survey on American worldview done by Barna Research and Arizona Christian University found 58% of Americans surveyed believe that moral truth is up to the individual to decide. Absolute truth does not exist. Truth is relative. The latest study shows that secular views regarding moral truth has not only flooded our culture, but the Christian church. Despite the fact that 72% of evangelicals identifying God as the source of truth, 46% reject moral truth, while 48% accept it. Equally, 69% of born-again Christians point to God as the source of truth. That's good, right? But only 43% embrace a standard of absolute moral truth. Our vision is definitely and sadly impaired to the point that many people today are blinded by the God of this age, which Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Now, you and I expect the unbelieving population to not believe in absolute truth, to not have a moral compass, to be spiritually blind and call what is good evil and evil good. But what about the statistic of professing believers, 46% of 72% reject absolute truth. That's alarming. We live in a world of deception. In fact, we live in the days of the judges. Judges 21-25, we all know what it says, right? They did what was right in their own eyes. That is the day in which we live. Never mind if it's wrong or destructive and totally against God and his word no matter if it eventually will lead to bondage and enemy control, as long as they could, as long as we can, do whatever we want to feed our unquenchable consumerism, live however we want, we will choose the viewpoint that fits us. Are you guys ever taken back by the amount of people who want to remain blind to the truth. Are you ever awed by that? We know that we live in a post-truth, post-Christian era. We live in a culture that is seemingly moving farther away, distancing itself from wanting to or believing in a divine creator. So what's the problem? So one reason I would like to suggest is that we as a nation as individuals, have replaced the lens of a biblical worldview. Because our vision is flawed as a nation, as a people, we need to have new lenses. We need to have a new set of glasses to look through. So as stated earlier, the cultural world, worldview has found its way into the church, unfortunately. And sometimes you and I can be a part of those same people. For some of us, our spiritual vision has become dulled because we're looking through defective lenses. 
And we may agree with God and his word until it infringes on certain behaviors, attitudes, and choices regarding our particular circumstances. Our vision has become blurred, and a film has developed over the center, the pupil of our heart. Our focus has shifted off of him, and we've lost sight of him and the cross and what put him there. Something's not right. I, you, are no longer seeing clearly. What about when you and I, as believers, followers of God, are trying to do the right thing, and we're checking the I am good box, but then we find ourselves in the eye of a storm or a difficult and trying situation? We lose heart and we lose sight, right? That happens to us. We have all, at one time or another, experienced a crisis. And again, if you haven't, you probably will, right? Because we live in a fallen world, we are all subject to vision impairment. And there are times when we just cannot see clearly and everything is blurred. These events can cause us to become nearsighted where we don't have the ability to see the bigger picture. Or we can become too farsighted, going out too far in the future and missing what we need to see right in front of us. Or we can have tunnel vision and only focus on the problem and can't see the solutions or answers that the Lord might have. Or maybe we can choose to turn a blind eye to obeying God in a certain area which has led to cataracts of sin, weakening our ability to see clearly. The condition of deceptive glaucoma that dims our vision, which going unchecked and remedy eventually brings long-term damage and separation from God, where he no longer is close. Not that he's moved, we've moved. The question before us is, how is my spiritual vision presently? And how can I, we, avoid succumbing to spiritual impairment? Here are three action steps that you can put into practice to have and maintain clear and vibrant vision and avoid allowing impairment. Number one, honestly evaluate your spiritual vision regularly. You have to desire to have the right perspective according to his truth. This will cause us to be effective and not infected by a skewed cultural worldview. Number two, you've got to go to the divine optometrist first. If you and I seek answers and solutions from other people or sources, you need to remember that their vision can be just as skewed as ours. So spiritually speaking, there is one, only one, who has perfect vision. He's the only one who sees and knows all things. Psalm 44, 21. God would surely have known it, for he knows the secrets of every heart. 
that. Romans 11.33, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in between. He never changes. Colossians 1, 16 through 19, Paul says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And he is the all-wise, powerful, ever-present God. With him, all these attributes reside and so much more. Psalm 147.5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. And Jeremiah said, am I a God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I don't see him? Declares the Lord, do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord. Number three, be willing to apply what he prescribes and follow the daily instructions that he's provided for you and me. I don't know how many of you guys do this, but every year or so I do a self-examination. And what I do is, is I go to my family and friends different people, and I ask them, how can I be a better wife? How can I be a better mom? How can I be a better friend? And so when I go to them, I'm risking something to do that. Because if they're telling me the truth, then I have to be willing to accept what they tell me. And not only accept it, but I've got to be willing to change and do what I need to do to be that better mom or that better wife or that better friend. So in other words, you and I can even do this self-examination, and we can even know what God has given us to fix our impairment. But unless you and I are willing to do what we need to do to apply, it's to no avail, right? You're going to stay visually impaired. My relationship with my daughter and Dave and whomever is not going to go to the next level. It's not going to grow. It's not going to become more fruitful if I'm not willing to do what they suggest that's going to make that relationship healthier and better. So that's number three. You cannot skip the daily follow-through. And if you do, you're going to see your vision weaken. And if you keep skipping the daily application, your vision becomes so dim that you eventually cannot see. Ephesians chapter 1. Do you not love the book of Ephesians? It is so rich and so full. In the first 14 verses of Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesian believers about God and what he's done for them, their position in him, their relationship with him, and what they have been given from him. In verses 15 through 23, 
Paul prays for these saints, telling God about them, and is in reality praying that they will possess the eyes of faith. We're going to focus on verses 17 through 20, but we're going to read through verse 23. In these verses, Paul prays for the believers that they will apply God's guaranteed to work aids that will correct their vision and give them clear perspective and will enable them to maintain it. Verse 17, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him, for we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength, which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, whether angelic or human and far above every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and world, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in every realm in subjection under Christ's feet and appointed him as supreme and authoritative, head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills and completes all things in all who believes. Isn't that awesome? So verse 17, Paul's saying, guys, God has provided for us wisdom and revelation that we so desperately need, and it is found exclusively in the knowledge of him. When we or others ask, I don't know what to do. What should I do? What's God's will in this particular situation? I can't see his hand. I don't understand what he's doing. The answer is simple. When we're in it, does it seem like it's simple? No, but this right here gives us the simple answer. The wisdom you need, the revelation you seek is found in knowing Jesus. How do you know Jesus? By spending time in his book that reveals who he is, particularly reading and digesting the Gospels. You want wisdom? You go to the one who is ultimate wisdom. All right, and you guys remember the story of the two disciples on the Emmaus Road after the Lord um, resurrected. And remember, they're walking because they're confused. They don't understand what's going on. Where's Jesus? What happened? This isn't what we expected. And so then Jesus shows up, and they don't even 
know who he is. They can't see him. And he asks them, well, what are you guys talking about? Why are you so sad? And then they tell him. And then they invite him to go to a house and have dinner with him. So he goes into the house and he has dinner with him and he, and he has communion with him. And as soon as he breaks the bread, their eyes are open and they can see. Because they moved from this place outside, this far-sighted place, and they moved closer to him. And their eyes were opened so they could see him. And, didn't, and then they say, didn't, didn't our hearts burn within us? when he was speaking to us. And then what did they do from there? They had to go tell everybody because they saw him. He opened their eyes to see him. And then in verse 18, Paul continues to say, we may know, this is paraphrased, we may know that we need to change and we might even want to change some of our behavioral patterns or our actions. We might even try some natural means to bring that about. And it might bring change but it's only short-lived. He says that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, need to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the ways the eyes of our hearts are opened is through prayer. Change doesn't come until we have revelation, and revelation comes by, way, by the way of the Holy Spirit illuminating God's word to our hearts. So we need to pray for revelation. We need to pray not only for our eyes to be opened, but for the Holy Spirit to bring the illumination of the truth of what we need to see. Not us telling him what we need to see. Us asking him, you bring, Holy Spirit, the revelation that I need. We also need to pray for those people in our lives whose eyes, the eyes of their hearts, need to be opened as well. So many people in our lives are groping in darkness. And we need to pray that the eyes of their hearts would be open to see Jesus. Paul specifies in verses 18b through 19 these three things which are brought into view through the knowledge of him. And they are this, the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us. First, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you. One of my favorite words is hope. It always refers to that which is coming, to that which is ahead. And the hope that the Bible talks about is not a wishful longing. It's not, oh, I wish this would happen. Well, maybe it will happen. It is a confident expectancy, a for sure thing, hope. It's for sure. And if we don't have hope, we become short-sighted and we lose heart. And what does Proverbs 13, 12 say? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Unfortunately, because many believers don't apply the above verses, they don't know the hope of his calling. They don't, maybe you don't, have heaven in view. They don't, maybe we don't, 
have his perspective. So consequently, they or we strain and strive to meet the desires of our flesh and are continually caught up in carnal endeavors. And as a result, they, we, can become depressed and discouraged because we don't have the big picture. We don't have eternity in sight. And chances are, are what you've tried to do to be happy or provide your own contentment, whatever you and I try to do, it's only going to be temporary. You and I are never going to be happy or contented until we know the hope of his calling. 2 Corinthians 4.18, Paul said, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the aid to overcoming a troubled, perplexed, stressed heart is to know the hope of his calling. Heaven. Get it in view. Remember, you guys, the best is yet to come. And then secondly, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Six times, Paul uses the distinguishing word riches in this letter. And here it pictures the value of this inheritance. He prays that his readers might be able to, to know and understand the hope that lies ahead of them in the fuller sense. And he's saying, if they get it, if we really get it, that God intends to make them with all the saints an inheritance for himself, just as he did Israel, that knowledge will infuse them with joy and love and us too. And it's mind-blowing. Now, think about this, you guys. You are his inheritance. You're his inheritance. I'm just like, Lord, you got a bad deal here. Right? I mean, just doesn't that just blow your mind? <laughs> that we are his inheritance. If we are saints, we're his. I don't know about you guys, but that's just like, wow. Thank you, Lord. He bought us, and he redeemed us, and he made us his own. And he calls us his treasure. He calls us his joy and his delight. Psalm 149.4 says, For the Lord delights in his people. And Zephaniah 3.17 that we all know, right? The Lord your God will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And then in verses 19 and 20, the third thing that Paul gives us. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places? Paul prayed that the believers would be enlightened with the truth about God's incomparably great power for those who believe. Each of these three truths that Paul has given us. These are aids, and they build upon the previous one. And the present basis for the riches and hope, the reason believers 
can hold on to the truth and the certainty of God's promises is the fact that the promises are rooted in God's power. If we can't see clearly, if we can't see God working in our lives, the problem may be our own lack of correct vision. It's not God keeping you in the dark. And it's not him lacking involvement in your life and in your situations. And it's not a lack of his power or his willingness to rescue you. We've got the power. There is no reason for you and I to continue to have any type of eye impairment, spiritually speaking. God has provided the corrective cure for whatever condition you or I have. And in fact, Paul tells us this in the same chapter, verse 3. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Not only are we in his inheritance, but because we are his kids, everything that is his is ours. We lack nothing, absolutely nothing. Socrates said, an unexamined life is a life not worth living. What I want us to do is to ask God to reveal to us if we are possibly nearsighted or if we are farsighted or if we have tunnel vision and we are only focused on the problem, the person, the situation in front of us. Now listen, tunnel vision can be good if we are solely focused on the author and the finisher of our faith, the object of our faith. If you have tunnel vision in that way, that's good. But if you have tunnel vision in the negative, where all you're focused on is the issues in front of you or the problem, let's ask God to broaden, to open up the, the peripheral vision to help us see better. And now I want you guys to ask yourselves, what cataracts have formed over the eyes of my heart? What has blocked my vision? I'm going to give you a few of those cataracts of sin, fear, pride, unbelief, unforgiveness, resentment, legalism, judgmentalism, certain expectations, independence that is void of a need for God. Now, you may have come up with your own, or maybe the Holy Spirit's maybe said something else to you. And then I want us to choose to change the prescription of our glasses if the lenses are not biblically powered. And then let's ask the Lord to do what that old song says. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you, to see you high and lifted up, 
shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as I sing holy, holy, holy. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.